You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. A warm welcome to you all this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and on behalf of all of the clergy here at Cathedral Church of the Advent. We are so glad that you're here on this dark night to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are here for the first time or even the second or the third and we don't know that you've been here, um, we can't greet you as much as we'd like to greet you. And so we'd love to be able to welcome you personally if you've been here. And so if you would, if you are a visitor, if you would uh, fill out one of the cards that you can find in the hymnal rack right in front of you, uh, that would be wonderful. You can hand it to me on your way out um, or you can, um, you can find a way to get it to us. Um, you can give it to me or to my colleague on the way out. Um, but we'd love to know that you've been here so that we can welcome you. Two other announcements I'd love to make um, is just to let you know if you've enjoyed the music tonight as much as I have, then you will find yourself wanting to listen to the same music and the same choir in your own home. And you ask, is that possible? And I'll say, yes, it is possible. If you would like to buy one of the choir's CDs that has um, been newly minted, um, they're available um, for purchase through the door to my left following the service this evening. And finally, if, um, if you're not aware, I'd encourage you to come back. Come back and worship again here on Christmas Eve. We'll have several surface services available. There will be a children's service at 3 p.m., at 5 p.m., there'll be a service right here in our nave with the choir and brass, um, a simultaneous service in our refectory, which is um, to my left through the hallway. Um, and that service will involve uh, strings uh, and, and wonderful Christmas music also. And then at 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock, we also will have a festal Eucharist with brass and the choir singing. So please come back and worship with us during this Christmas season again on Christmas Eve. And now let's, let's pray. O brightest and best of the stars of the morning, dawn on our darkness, lend us thine aid. Star of the east, the horizon adoring, adorning, guide where our infant redeemer is laid. O Holy Spirit, would you be for us tonight like that Bethlehem star 2,000 years ago? Please shine in our hearts. Shine to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Tonight, on this dark night, dawn on our darkness and guide us to our infant Redeemer. Amen. There's almost no need for me to preach after we've been through the whole gospel story. We've gotten a little bit of the Bible um, through our nine lessons. We get a flight through the Bible at 35,000 feet, and then we land right there in Bethlehem. We hear uh, from the very beginning, from our very first lesson from Genesis 3, we hear about the problem of humanity. And then we hear about the promise of God to resolve this problem of humanity. And then we hear of God's solution in his very presence when God is born as a baby in Bethlehem. There is the problem, the promise, and the presence. Humanity's problem begins shortly after creation, narrated there with Adam and Eve. Disobedience begins with disbelieving God's words, and distrusting God's intentions. Did God really say 
Did God really mean the best for us? They doubt that God really loves them, and they doubt um, that he knows what's best for them. And so they strike out on their own, and their rebellion brings about destructive consequences for them and for the rest of us as well. Because their sin becomes like what I would call a spiritual genetic mutation passed down to every man, woman, and child. And we might live in denial about this. We might say, oh, the world is not really such a bad place after all. And sometimes it feels like that. But when we watch the news, the real news about things that go on in places all over the world, when we open our eyes to what's really going on around us, we see that we human beings are at times bent on our own destruction. And if we're able to acknowledge that there is that corporate um, destructive nature to us and we see it in other people far distant from us, then we must admit that we also see it in those closest to us. Nobody knows the exact fingerprint of my own selfishness as well as my own husband who sees it day in and day out. So if we see this sin in our spouses and our roommates, maybe if we're not married, or our children, our best friends, our mothers, our mothers-in-law, our fathers, then surely we ourselves, therefore, must not be above suspicion. We too are sinners when we admit it. Uh, we might not have done the most egregious things, or no one might know exactly the darkness that lies within us, but we, every one of us, have rebelled against God, have rebelled against um, the way things ought to be, and we see uh, the difference between where we would like to be and where we really are. All of the big and small problems of the world can be traced back to this sin problem with a capital P. Adam and Eve sinned, plunging all of creation into darkness. But thank goodness, thank God, this is not the end of the story. We go on in our lessons. We hear the prophets of old proclaim the promise of God that it would not always be like this. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. God is probably the only, no, definitely, the only person who follows through on his promises perfectly. The certainty of God's promise gives us the strength and courage to look at the darkness within us and around us and to call it what it is with honesty and vulnerability. Good news reassures us that the bad news does not get the final word. And so we hear then the angels carrying on the role of the promise of the prophets, excuse me, to proclaim the fulfillment of God's promise in the birth of the Son of God. The angels call out, we hear them, to Mary, the Lord is with you, do not be afraid, even as that longing in her heart is fulfilled. Somehow the longing for light to shine into her own darkness is fulfilled in the promise of the Son. And we hear to the angels, uh, the angels saying to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
God's solution to this problem of sin involves a baby, a wonderful baby. I personally, I love babies. I've always loved babies. I love their smell. I love their warmth. I love cuddling them. I love allowing a tiny hand to grasp my finger. I love their smallness and the cute clothes that you can dress them in. I love their newness and the hope that maybe life will be just a little bit easier for this new person. Christmas involves a baby, yes. But the babiness of the baby alone is not what makes Christmas so meaningful. No, it's the identity of this baby. Who this child is, is what gives us the true hope of Christmas. This baby, this baby Jesus, is the long-awaited Messiah, the branch of Jesse's tree, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Son of the Most High, Jesus our Emmanuel. He is the one. He's the one that you've been waiting for. God solves the problem of human sin by entering into his own creation and taking on our flesh and taking on our darkness. Jesus, the word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. God's promised solution to our human problem involves the incredible brightness of his very presence. At the end of the Bible, Jesus says about himself, I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. A morning star appears in the east at the horizon, low on the horizon, just before the sun rises. This star, or usually a very bright planet, tells us that the night is almost over. The day is about to begin. Jesus' birth, the birth of the Son of God, means that the long night of evil and human sin, the night of the devil's sway, the night of destruction and death is almost over. Hang on. Jesus brings the dawn of a new day, for all of creation. Jesus even says of of himself that he is the light of the world. He not only points to the end of our darkness, but through his own death on a literally dark day and his rising from death on the dawn of the third day, Jesus defeats sin, death, and the devil. He is the light that shines and brings light and life. We might not be able to pinpoint the exact month or date of Jesus' birth, but we make no mistake in celebrating Jesus' birth at the darkest time of the year, just after the winter solstice tomorrow, when the tide of the darkness has turned. God somehow works in the midst of our darkest moment. He turns the tide in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you are able to look back on your life and find that darkest moment and be thankful for the light that has dawned. Or maybe even now you're wandering in the darkness, struggling under the weight of your own sin or someone else's, or longing for healing from a chronic disease, or laboring in a job where you are underpaid or underappreciated. Maybe your relationships are fraught with conflict and tension, 
or you're drowning in grief from the death of a loved one. Maybe infertility seems to have claimed your identity and you can't get out from underneath it. Maybe the compulsion of an addiction controls you. God knows my darkness. God knows your darkness. And in Jesus, he doesn't shy away from it. He rushes right in. Here is our hope. Here is the joy of Christmas. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.